Um, We're going. Might as well start. This is our earliest taping. Yes, it is. I think that we've done so far. What time is it? It's not even that early. It's at 8.40. It's 8.40. The sun is up. But it's central standard time, so it seems earlier. It does. Well, welcome to the Why Aren't You Famous podcast with your co-host, Andrew Grimm and... Ellen Cherry. Right on. And you're looking for what over here? Ellen a little Cherry? bit lower headphone volume, if possible. Okay. It's a little bit... I can do that. Intense. Mm. All right. How's that? Perfect. Okay. We are here today in beautiful Birmingham, Alabama, where the sun is shining for the first time in what feels like... Years. 40 years. <laughs> with our very, very good friend, Keith Harrelson who ran a venue, the reason we met Keith years ago is he ran a venue in Birmingham called Moonlight Cafe, Moonlight Music Cafe. That's right. And then it moved up onto a hill and it became Moonlight on the Mountain. Just to designate the difference between <laughs> Moonlight 1.0 and 2.0. Yes, and they're, and yeah, well they were different. And how long did you run the Moonlight Music Cafe? All right, the first one, uh, three years, solid. Uh, 365 days times three. So you had a you had a show every day. Uh, six nights a week, pretty much had music wow. uh, up there. Tried to anyway. I mean, and there's a world of musicians to um, who welcome the opportunity, and uh, oh boy, I wanted to give them a chance to get in front of a crowd. So uh, hey, we were paying rent every day. I figured let's do this. Uh, I was running it in conjunction with a coffee house. It was a one of Birmingham's first coffee parlors really was was part of this venue and uh but for me the music was the the primary part so we did that for three years and at the end of the lease pulled off the freeway and because we were out of gas uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh took a little break and uh three years later came back uh, in another location uh with a pure music venue moonlight on the mountain it's on the crest of a mountain overlooking a valley below very nice Alabama hilltop and um, managed to keep that going for about seven years before I retired. Uh, no coffee, but we just told people, hey, bring your own drinkies and eaties, and uh, we're here for the music. Yeah. So that's we A true that. listening room. It was, and, uh, you know, I'd been exposed to two or three of them before, and I thought, well, I'll just run this way. I think uh, this thing, the way a, a listening room ought to run, and I kind of know what the performers would expect from it and it's you know it's easier to do it simply than it is to do it complicated so that was the approach I took and it seemed to work pretty well for everyone involved and so that leads me to the question of how did you come up with the initial idea for your own self that you decided you wanted to jump into those waters (laughs) because that's most regular normal people would be like Hell no, I'm not running a music venue. It's hard. Everyone I talked to said, hell no, don't do this. You're an idiot. And and on paper, of course, it doesn't make any sense to do that. But creative people, and I'll, I'll have to count myself as one of them, I suppose, because I stand so close to so many and always have. Well, you are a creative person because you have a long career in photography. Uh, I was an advertising photographer, so I, was, I spent my time around uh, lots of people who came up with original ideas and, mm-hmm. and began to fulfill those. And prior to that, I was a writer, too, mm-hmm. and uh, continued to dabble in that a little bit. So, I mean, the, the creative impulse is something that drives people... Uh, whether it makes sense to do that or not. That's what I appreciate so much about the uh, musicians I presented is they were just, you know, crazy to be out there doing what they do, but they do it anyway. And, you know, you get uh, 
smacked in the face with the reasons why they shouldn't be doing it and turn around and do it some more. So you, know. so you deeply you deeply understood this madness and you said, I want a comfortable place for people to stop and express this madness in Birmingham, Alabama. I want to be part of the madness. <laughs> right. I, I want to, I want people to look at me askance from a distance and go, what's the matter with that boy? You know, uh, that's, It's a way to separate myself from the ordinary, I guess. I think it's a brilliant, beautiful way to do that. Well, I had a lot of fun at the same time. You yeah. know, uh, the only part of it that was uh, not, uh, a, you know, ideal was there, there's no money in it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to operate at a deficit like most creative people do. I mean, that's just where you live. There's no, there's not not any money that you can count on uh, to uh, come out of that. But the rewards are elsewhere. You have to put the money way down the list of priorities. Well, as a performer coming through the venue, I always felt that that made you a, a definitive comrade in arms, in a way, because yeah. you deeply understood the financial struggle that people like Andrew and I were, and other performers who were going through and trying to find a place in Birmingham that is a listening room. There's other places to play here that are rock clubs or bars where you can play cover music, um, but to find a listening room that can seat 40 or 50 people comfortably where it's curated to listen to storytelling and introspective confessional music sometimes and also traditional music and you had a ton of other events there too like movie watching um spoken word spoken events word you know events. we did fundraisers of all sorts yep. you know and i mean supporting radio yeah stations. it's a, it's a good room uh you know for to, for activities like that you have to get people involved you invite them and say we got good stuff going on here come be a part yeah. of but it. your deal was always if you come to Birmingham I'm going to get you some money to get you on the road back on the you know to keep you on the road um to feed you and I'm also going to feed you breakfast and you can stay at my house which is not when people who listen to this may not realize how many venue owners don't, don't do that don't do that, don't do that. in America no, no. it's not necessarily a common practice to say that Oh, in addition to you bringing your talent and creativity to attract the audience here, we're also going to basically house you for the evening. Well, it was a selfish enterprise at the same time because it was a way for me to make uh, friends with wonderful creative folks from around the world. And, you know, I cherish those friendships to this day. You're like your beacon and all the moths come towards it, right? All the good moths. I like to think so. I mean, I was under the impression that this is just the way you do it and that there were people all over the country who ran venues and supported artists in the same way. Uh, you know, the artist needs are, are uh, the basic needs are very simple. They need a place to crash where, you know, they're not going to get, uh, where it's not scary. Yeah. Um, and a, a little bit of money somehow to mm-hmm. pay for what it took to get there and to get out of there and something to eat and um but above and beyond that i realized that what keeps you going and why you're out there is to get in front of an audience that pays attention to what you do takes it uh seriously and uh gives you some uh feedback and appreciation for it so that's one of the most important things that i feel that i wish somebody i wish that i had had the ability or community when i first started that somebody said the most important thing you can do is find your natural audience. And what you are doing is curating a place for people like me and people like Andrew and other performers who, yeah, we don't have to necessarily worry about, are we going to be playing in front of a, a, a group of people that really enjoy rap music and that's their jam <laughs> and are going to be heckling and rejecting what we're doing because everybody that's there is pretty much prepared for the type of show that they're going to get. And one of the things I loved about, and I want to bring this up because this is an important um, 
element of your story is that you wrote a beautiful newsletter. You dedicated so much time to investigating who the artists were, putting together, was it a weekly or a monthly newsletter? It was weekly. I did. I, it had to go out every Tuesday night for the, the weekend's events. I had shows that would be sometimes a Wednesday night, uh, mm-hmm. but generally you know, through the weekend. So I wanted to give advance but timely notice to a readership of people who say, well, who's he got up there? They may not sit down and go to a website unless they're prompted to do that. Mm-hmm. And the audience that I had and developed uh, still utilized email. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see why people don't, or people tell me that they don't email much anymore. I go, oh man, that's the way to get the word out. And that, that gave me an opportunity. I had several days to play with the language, and that's my particular art, is to work with words, and uh, always enjoyed that so much. And, and even though it got to be a, a, almost a weekly burden, it was discipline. It was yeah. like people who write a song every week. and um, Like Andrew. Yes, uh, <laughs> and, and I guess, I don't know that I got that idea from, from somebody else you know, who had that kind of discipline, but I've never been a disciplined writer. And they were not long pieces that needed a lot of editing, but it gave me a chance to sit down and just pay attention to putting a voice. It was the voice of the moonlight itself. And um, I, I did it in, in plural. Well, we're going to have you know these people this weekend, and this is it. And it was also a chance to blog a little bit, mm-hmm. yak about some other, some other thing. So it, it was it, something for me to do for... Um, an express purpose, it accomplished something, and gave me a chance to um, say what I wanted to say and to explore these artists, many of whom I didn't know prior mm-hmm. to them coming. Right. So I had to do my own examination based on their websites and their PR stuff and try and put in my own words why I thought, well, this is why you need to come see these people. Yeah. Well, and that, the so this leads me to tell our listeners that you compiled all of these emails mm-hmm into a book that you have referred to as a whimsical diary of uh, a 21st century listening room in the deep south. I think mm-hmm. that's the title. Yeah, yeah. And I think the title is so effective because whimsy is one of my favorite words. And it aptly describes the spirit with which I would get your newsletters and read not only about my own upcoming show, but about these other artists because mm. there was this, this pull between the artist and the venue operator here where you could tell that the venue, you, was really interested in helping us shape a story that was going to attract the right audience. And, but you did it in not this very um, marketing, like this overtly marketing type of way. It was very deeply whimsical because that's your, your nature and your spirit, and that's why it's one of my favorite venues to have returned to over and over again. Oh, wonderful. I'm delighted to hear that. And, and uh, I, was, I was always, I won't say surprised, but gratified time and again when people would come and, and they would play for the first time, and they say, oh, what a beautiful room, and this is wonderful, and the sound is so good. And you know, I tried to hit those bases and make the artist happy so they would do their very best when they played. And you'd have four people, five people show up. I had some goose eggs where nobody came at all. Those are the hardest. Yeah. But at the end of the night, the artist had, had done a show and uh, done their very best, and everybody enjoyed themselves, everyone that was there, and I'd be 
stacking up the paltry dollars and small change, you know, the, to share and say here, and I'm trying to put a little extra of my own in there. But thank you for coming, and maybe this will help you get further down the road to the next gig where I hope there will be more people. I'm sorry we could, and they, and I'd be apologetic about the turnout, and they'd look at me and say. I had a great time. When, yeah, this is a good experience. When can I come back? Yeah. You know, time and time again. I want to come back. I'm going to yeah. call you, you know, and I go, why? There's nobody here, you know? But there's that hope. Mm-hmm. And I think it proved out for me a few times that this is what it takes over a series of years to build an audience in a location. Well, yeah. Because and, we don't live here. And it's an audience and it's a, it's also a larger network. Mm-hmm. Like the we were talking a little bit last night about networking and and you know meeting people and you know kind of spreading um uh, a, a sense of like a, a conduit between places and artists and people and stuff like that and that's exactly like i would be excited to play the moonlight and i don't care if anybody shows i mean i care but i don't care mm-hmm. like because i'm going to be taken care of and it's a place that is designed it's it's built from from thought to concrete that this is going to be a listening space. And it's directly deliberate for me to, to be there. And it's like, wow, you know, there are no TVs. Like nobody's yelling about a, a sports team or something like that. And mm-hmm. and then the owner, uh, the the guy who operates the venue is gonna treat me like a human being. And that there's- Response to emails. Yeah, <laughs> and there's, there's, there's value in what, what you're doing. Well, that's just being considerate, I think. And and I learned that. I mean, I worked with a, a, a couple of large city festivals here, uh, multi-stage things where the acts, name acts uh, on national standing would pull in with a, you know, a, a train of trailer trucks and load in and load out. And it was, um, I had a golf cart and uh, walkie-talkies and uh, early cell phones and stuff. This was years ago. Uh, but it was, uh, I was responsible for artist hospitality. And I came to understand what an artist who goes blindly from city to city hammering it out uh, needs to feel better about arriving at a place and, more importantly, doing the performance and then leaving there going, wow, this was great. When can I come back? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you scale that down to an individual thing. A, a acoustic singer-songwriter is the, the simplest version of that. And yet the closest to the wire, you know, where where the real thing that people That's enjoy a good way of describing it. <laughs> and, and pay attention to music, you know, it's all there without all the trappings of the show and the, uh, you know, the falderall that has to be taken care of when you're dragging a big band along and uh, all these other people. And, and uh, so I just, and I wanted to know these people. It was always a pleasure to meet someone that you'd heard about and read about. Mm-hmm. and uh, to have a chance to talk to them about something other than the show that they had just done or were going to do or what happened last. Or, I, you know, say, hey, how about them dogs? Yeah, I mean, you need to talk about something apart from the business at hand. <laughs> and I always enjoyed that so much, and so that's, that's much more available with uh, acoustic singer-songwriters. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're just people. You know, we're all on the same level here, and, and uh, there's no barriers to get over. So... I just I took what I learned from the festivals and boiled it down to the simplest things, and luckily that's just not extra stuff you have to pay for and provide in order for something to happen. You just subtract stuff. You yeah. get rid of things and get it down to the bare bones, and it works better that way. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, doing the whole deal by myself, I had 
I had the proper help from volunteers, but there wasn't a lot of that required. I did so much of it myself. Uh, control freak, I guess. I mean, that, that <laughs> I can be accused of that because people say, how can I help? I love this so much. You know, what can I do for the moonlight? Well, let me get your name and, and phone number and I'll call you if I can think of something. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> I did pretty much everything on my own because I, I wanted I wanted it to be, I guess, me and my voice. And um, I wanted it to run right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, could, I could manage to do that within about 70 hours a week. And I had uh, no children, no spouse. You know, I, I had the time to put into it. Mm -hmm. So it became a, a, a passion for me. I'm glad I gave it all that. I'm glad you did too. Yeah. And that's and I'm glad that you wrote the book because and I'm sitting here listening to you speak and have you thought about turning it into an audiobook? Because your speaking voice, I've always thought this that you would be an incredible voiceover artist. I'd heard that, but I, I can only hear it in my own head, you know. It doesn't it sounds to me like everybody's voice sounds to themselves. I, I <laughs> Well, see, I don't the, know if that's true. Like, I, I'd like to try that, you know. Uh, and I'm, I love hearing people uh, read and and do, like I say, spoken word is is uh, events. We did a lot of that at, at Moonlight in the early days, and I've given my hand at it. And and I, yeah, I think that would be kind of fun. I the the uh, writing itself, the Moonlight book is uh, you got to have a thesaurus to get through a lot of it. It's very thick writing. In the foreword, <laughs> I say, it's like a milkshake, man. It you got to tug hard on the straw and savor it, you know. <laughs> Go slow. Read it out loud. It actually, you know, makes more sense when you just read it out loud to yourself. But I think that that's why it would also additionally make a great audiobook because mm -hmm. yeah. your manner of speaking, I've been listening to you speak now for 20 minutes, and I have not heard you say the word uh or um. Mm -hmm. You have a deliberate delivery. You also are very thoughtful. You're quick-witted. But to have people appreciate the thick milkshake of your prose, they would it'd be better served in a way to like hear the way that you want to deliver it Maybe and it would so. cause people to slow down because we read so fast but well here you go listening to a story it's, it's much a, slower it's an ebook of course because it's you know hundreds and hundreds of pages it's a it's a five page weekly newsletter that was sent out every week for seven years and so it's not a printed book it would be the size of the webster dictionary and would cost 150 dollars a copy you know, yeah. if you wanted that so, it's, but it's only seven ninety nine as an ebook, and uh, it's not a linear thing except in a uh, a sense of being a diary, you know, with a start date and an end date. Uh, but it, it's it needs to be skipped around in, you know. Parts of it is is blog and and essay and just sort of random comment on some current event or some music uh, aspect or something that we got involved in, and that's. That's where I had fun with it, apart from uh, addressing the performers that were being presented. But as a daily reader, somebody could read it, or a weekly reader, and I wanted to also make sure that I don't forget to mention this, that as a historian, it's a valuable part of Birmingham's history. I mean, the title alone is very purposeful about, I believed this was important to dedicate my life to for a series of years and mm -hmm. all of my money and time and energy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But additionally, this is your record of it because 
the things like this can just disappear and yeah. people will forget yeah. the benefit that they had of it. And But there's going to be future people who are going to look back into the musical history of Birmingham and realize that there was a cafe that was run by Keith Harrelson that featured these artists that you were a part of that story. Yeah. And yeah. Allowed a platform and, and gave a voice. Well, I, I like that idea too. And of course, in my own ideas of, of what, how I may be membered in some grandiose fashion, you know, after I'm gone, well, that's, that's where that fits in. <laughs> you contributed. You yeah. contributed and there's, a, a, not only just that they contributed, but you contributed something important and there's actual evidence of it that I think is very valuable. And also as the performer to look back and see yourself mentioned a mm-hmm. few times mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. very gratifying in the fact that like, oh yeah, I forgot that those are the times that I was there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like an encyclopedia in that it is very uh, date specific. And the cool thing about these eBooks is you, they're searchable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you in a regular book, you have to look in the back and see if there's somebody mentioned in the index. Oh, page 76. So you can flip back to page 76, and there you are somewhere in a paragraph. This thing, you just type it in, your name, and if you're on nine pages, all those pages come up, you know, right. and there you are. And you can zip right to them, you know. I, I love these e-books. I wasn't familiar with them uh, very much, but I got me a Kindle Fire and, you know, downloaded this thing. And I went, geez, this is cool. Now what I've just found out is you can get Alexa to read it for you. Oh, yeah, but not in Keith Harrelson's voice. Well, maybe not. Well, but why can't uh, they have Alexa in Keith Harrelson's voice? Well, maybe oh. we could. <laughs> but you know what? She and I, I listened to. I have my cousin wrote a book about um, Cajuns, and and um, so I, I just got it from her, and I've tried the Alexa thing, and I thought it's going to go. Family, you know, in a robot voice, voice yeah. but it's not. It's this lady reading it, and she sounds like she's real interested in it, and, and it's, you know, she's got inflection and everything. And I go, gee, so I hadn't tried mine yet. That's the I, danger I, of AI. Yeah, because you're you're going to start to get confused and be like, wait. Alexa really likes me. Yeah, Alexa right. wants the best for me. Or maybe exactly. late at night, Alexa is kind of like you know filled with ennui and not really into reading the. Um, <clears throat> so page. Seven. <sighs> it's it's very natural sounding. What I've heard so mm-hmm. far. Now I haven't put her on my book, and I, I'm just curious to see how she. Maybe you can try that, that this weekend and tell I, us about how it went. I will. I will. So I want to talk about our topic today. Yes. So Keith is um, one of our non-songwriter songwriters, and or prose or poem writers that we are having on the season, and it's very exciting because I appreciate you accepting a challenge. There are people who would say, absolutely not. I don't want to do that. I'm, it's not my comfort zone. And um, and this pushes me out of my comfort zone, too, because this isn't necessarily a topic that I would normally think to write about. Mm-hmm. So would you like to describe the topic that you suggested? Actually... So I can see how I fail to address it in myself. <laughs> well, you know, those of us who um, are not overly resourced, uh, I don't want to call us poor people, but we don't have no money. Yeah. And um, th- that's the big uh, economic divide going mm-hmm. on in our culture and society, and it defines so much. Um, one of the uh, results of that and a, a monument to all of us who have to get along with a, a whole lot less than other people do is the preponderance of these dollar stores. And there's Family Dollar, mm-hmm. and there's uh, dollar, dollar, General. Tr- dollar General, Dollar Tree, you know, and uh it turns out that <clears throat> i'm kind of drawn to these things 
a, a lot of stuff there is just out and out crap and you you go i'm, I'm not going to buy that and you really shouldn't but there's a lot of things that you need every day and you don't put a whole bunch of money in if you go in a dollar store and say, oh wow that's only a dollar for that because that's 389 at this other place mm-hmm. i'm just going to come here and get these you know and and so I've kind of made a practice like most people with limited resources do of trying to find a, an outlet for uh, your everyday bric-a-brac and the things that you need to get by without having to pay a whole bunch of money for yeah. it. And yet you see people of all uh, economic standing in there. Mm-hmm. And the people that work there are intriguing to me. And uh, it's just, I mean, everybody, it seems like, goes to a dollar store at some point or another. Uh Almost like um, they went to the X-rated video uh, rental place. Very and, uh, secretively, yeah, 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 wanting you know, to be disguised. I, uh-huh. But um, then the not so frugal. much, you know. What did you say? Furtively frugal. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, it's just a place that kind of um, objectifies... Hey, we're we're trying to get by with. I mean, the word "cheap," I think, is one of the ugliest words in the English language, and so I don't I don't uh, celebrate that. But something that is cost efficient and Thrifty. you know affordable. Mm-hmm. There's all of those things that are uh, make it sound attractive. If you go in there, or dignified, and to give the person a, dig- a yeah dignity. That's the thing, yeah. and uh, so I've, I've found it to be a, an experience that I'm sure there's people that have never been in a dollar store, and so um, they may not understand what we're talking about. But the rest of us go in there pretty regular and say, you know, I need to. You know, some breath mints, a pair of flip flops, a jar of peanut butter, or something like that. Well, and this is the thing about the dollar stores, too, that we, I live in Baltimore. Andrew lives in Westminster. You live in Birmingham. So we have these three different, I think, sort of ecosystems we're talking about. A larger, Mm -hmm. well, Birmingham might actually be bigger than Baltimore. How big is Birmingham? Big enough. (laughs) (laughs) Big enough to get you in trouble, but it won't get you out. The idea that the dollar store is in the inner city of Baltimore serving that community, but it's also serving a bedroom community like Westminster, and it's mm-hmm. also serving the rural community, rural communities as well, because that is necessary in all of those locations. And when we first talked about the topic, your um, intention with it is to be whimsical mm-hmm. and, and, and cheeky a little bit about this, this concept of like, and what you said was a, a dime store date with a dollar store girl. Yeah, that was a line I that came to me some time uh, ago, and I thought, you know, that could make a funny song. And I, I know lots of, of humorous songwriters, people who write whimsical stuff, and uh, I mentioned that line to two or three of them that I knew would do a good job with it, and as far as I know, they never did. So I went, well, by gum, I'll just keep my own self. And yeah. <laughs> one day if I get a chance to write something. And so when you called me and said, we need a theme for the thing, I went, well, let's, and I told you that. But then I went, mm, I don't want somebody else to run off with that. If I've got to do it, I'm going to keep that line and, and do that song for myself. So I wanted to expand it to uh, the inequity, income inequality, I guess, mm-hmm. that we all hear so much about and, and experience, I guess, these days. And so, you know, give give you guys room to do something other than than specifically that because uh, I felt like I could come up with a, 
a humorous, sort of a Ray Stevens song yeah. almost, which is what it is. Ooh, that's Jackson the neighbor cat. Jackson cat. He's trying to get attention. He's, he's knocking. Not get, he's not getting the attention that he normally gets during well, the morning. He's he gets spun around on the floor. He's knocking <clears throat> shit off the counter. And, animals usual. are definitely a part of this podcast because yeah. they're like, there's cats. In mm-hmm. the first season, there are always cats like jumping onto computers or yeah. people's pets doing this. It's oh, the look oh. he is giving us is like I so cannot cute. believe you're ignoring us right now. Look at me. Look. Oh, oh, oh don't. Don't fall for it. Oh, no. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick pause. We're going to rearrange some microphones. Yeah. And then... Uh, we're going to play some songs, huh? We're going to be right back with Keith Harrelson. Oh, wonderful. All right. And Jackson. Perfectly timed. <laughs> uh, the song is called uh, Dollar Store Girl. Why not? Um, and uh, as I say, it is in no way autobiographical, although I did find myself on more than one occasion uh, admiring... Uh, one of the girls who worked at a dollar store. So that kind of prompted this thing here. All right. You might be rich and you might think it's funny, but you gotta have money, get along in this world. I've never been nothing but a dime store dandy, but my sweetheart Mandy, she's a dollar store girl. I spied her through the window in her tight green apron With a line of people waiting just to let her ring them up I grabbed a green plastic basket and I whispered low to ask it If I filled it up with chocolate would it help improve my luck? There was lots of stuff a-calling as I roamed the aisles a-trawling For the nougats and the nuggets and the frosted cookies too I took a box of instant custard and a jar of spicy mustard Bunch of paper flowers like you'd see a rookie do I seen the line was getting shorter and I thought I maybe order Put my bounty on the counter, maybe have a chance to chat But a lady on a walker took her time and was a talker So I turned myself around and found a toy to tease my cat now there's a shelf of bottled water, I could maybe save a quarter A wall of cleaning products that I'm really scared to use Got your dented soup can rejects and some drinks that look like Windex And a lemon scented sachet you put inside your shoe I don't need no colored pencils or no kitchen made utensils When it comes to paper napkins I think I'm doing fine Got my travel size cosmetics and my off-brand diuretics Snatched a backup jar of olives and I went to stand in line I am right behind a mommy who is stocking for a party With her ribbons and her streamers and a pack of macaroons She was paying with a 20 when she said, oh excuse me honey I about forgot I got to have some helium balloons I was seconds from the minute when my single days were ended But the mommy's sale depended on the tank across the floor Over there While my angel was inflating We don't want to keep you waiting Said her manager who rang me up and nodded towards the door Yes, I might ride a bus or a borrowed bicycle I can squeeze a shiny nickel till it turns into a pearl I might be guilty of some two-bit talking but the honey I'm stalking is a dollar store girl cause her hair's a shade of brandy bought a hundred penny candies 
For the babe who makes me randy, she's my dollar store girl. No, that was that was really good. Are you kidding me? That we're fantastic. still going, right? No, we're going now, yeah. Uh, I I think it was perfect. Well, I'm just glad I didn't have to do it in front of more than two people. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's only going on the internet for five people. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Well, there's nothing I can do about it now. Oh, Too late. Keith, it's, it's so, so good. good. Yeah. It's so good. I'm sitting there and I'm like, you we you know, it should really be recorded for real. Well, and you should be pitching this to Dollar General, Dollar Tree, and Dollar Stores because it, I mean, with a little bit of edit, maybe we're removing the word Randy. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> no. That's the only edit I would make to make uh, it the family friendly. If friendly. I was to have a title for the song, that'd be it. <laughs> <laughs> Randy the I'm Dollar General. I'm Randy from a Dollar Store Girl. Well, see, he could, the character could be, be named Randy. That's true. Because her name's Mandy. Uh, Mandy and Randy, uh-huh. and they meet and fall in love at the dollar store. <laughs> well, I don't know if she ever meets him. That's true. Yeah, That's he's true. he's yeah. trying to make that happen. You know. What a beautiful song! And so, and the cool thing about it is that it, it, my favorite songs bring you into the scene. And so, you are with the narrator in the aisles, looking at the the drinks that look like Windex. Windex. Um, the, all the little things, it's as if you're following the person around the aisles, like thinking, well, I'm here to shop and I was, I walked in to get something, but then I saw this person I'm attracted to and so I'm kind of like browsing and I'm kind of observing and I'm nervous and my, um, I'm excited, but then I'm also like trying to, you're trying to orchestrate the meeting and then you're foiled for all the reasons and you explain it so well. It's fucking great. Well, that's do- that's the dollar store experience. And like I say, I know there's people who say, well, I've never been in a dollar store. Why should I go there? Well, I mean, right. it's it's a thing, you know. And, and if you go, you'll recognize some of this stuff, you know, the yeah. colored pencils. A lemon-scented sachet that you put inside your sheet. I, I mean, know. where else are you going to get that? For a dollar. For a dollar. So, you know, it's- And you highlighted the idea of that when we were talking before you played that the necessity of the dollar store but there's also the joy of the dollar store which means that a person who doesn't have a lot of money can buy themselves what would be considered to them a luxury item like you don't need um a lemon scented satchel for your shoes but maybe you do on that day because you want to feel better about your life or you think of someone who needs it and you buy it for a gift and you can afford it exactly (laughs) i brought you a sachet I'm not like, saying anything. I'm just saying. <laughs> I brought this for you. It's I, so beautiful and touching and poignant. I love your song. Well, yeah. good. I, I'd like to hear you guys, a, a real musician, do a version of it. You know, yeah. Somebody who, who could you know, get the chords right and stay in tune and on rhythm. It and, reminds me of that um, songwriter um, Tom Lehrer. Mm-hmm. Do you remember him? Mm-hmm. So he would write these songs about math, and you would go in, like the 50s and 60s, my father introduced me to him, and his music is hilarious and wonderful and educational and and to listen to the live recordings where there's these massive crowds that are appreciating a song that is the length of your song and just as complex and very intellectual and smart this is a smart song mm-hmm. oh, well. and you and that's exactly what it remind, remind, reminded me of and also I don't know why you would have somebody else sing it because your voice and your style of playing is perfect. Well, that'll be fun. I'll, I'll work on it then, try and get a... My older brother said, he. I told him I had it, and he said, oh, man, I want to hear that. And I said, well, I'll, if, I'll make sure that you get a chance to, you know, one way or the other. Yeah. It was beautiful. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad. I had fun writing it, and, and I wondered how long it would take me to do it. 
and uh, so I just sat down and went, all right, first verse, first verse, first, and, and I mean, I, I went at it like, like a preacher writes a sermon. You know, I got a deadline on this. I got to <laughs> stand up in front of some people and do it. You yeah. Know? And I've only got this much time between now and then. And it came pretty easy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I enjoyed rhyming the words, and you know, I, I like to think is developing a character and filling that out a little bit. And I, the the songs that I appreciated the most, uh, and the artists at Moonlight had little vignettes like this, and and it was almost a fiction. And uh, I, I like so much uh, people painting those pictures and, and yeah. telling stories. Uh, so maybe that's where it it, it comes from. Um, I enjoyed writing it, and I thank you for giving me the challenge. There's a new song that I just heard that I'm late to the game on, The Pistol Annies. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, on their new album, they have a song called um, Got My Old Name Back. And the first verse, the, I like the song. Um, I don't think it's as good as your song. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm well, throwing let's... the gauntlet down um, because it's, it's first of all, it's not as um, fleshed out and descriptive, but the first verse is killer because she says something very relatable about you it takes a judge to get married it get it takes a judge to get divorced seems like the last few years i spend a lot of time in court mm-hmm. and you're like oh and then she talks about going to the dmv to like the hassle mm-hmm. of having to get your old name back and it's like these are songs that okay everyone that is conscious and feeling is aware that we have like these monumental issues we need to address as a species economic collapse environmental collapse mm-hmm. But to have these breaks where you get to delve into the minutia of what it actually means to be in a human body, living a life in a city with other people, um, that song is like that to me. That your song is it, it. It draws me towards the actors in that scene. Well, good and, with and, compassion and empathy. And, and you want to get across, you know, where that person stands in the economy. It's it's an economic yeah. song. I might ride the bus or a borrowed bicycle. Yeah, you know, this is yeah. not a guy with a car. Right. You know? He's buying paper flowers. He thinks maybe, you know, fill this basket full of chocolates, you know, maybe she'll pay attention to right. it. Right. And yet he's just a dime store guy. Yeah. You know, and that's how he identifies himself. He says, I'm going for a dollar store girl, right. man. You know, so that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. The, the steps of the economic standing is kind of what I wanted to play with. Oh. You did it so effectively. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm very moved and excited for people to hear your song. Oh, you guys got songs, don't you? Yep, let's well, do yeah. it. Okay. I'm next. You're next. Yikes. All right, here Hard we to go. follow. Here we go. Here, will you take this guitar before sure. I bang a microphone with it? It is. Press the digitator. Press the digitator. But that's a command also. All right, you ready? Press the digitator. <laughs> I'm ready to press the digitator. We go, we're rolling. Uh-huh. So I wrote a song called Help Wanted, and it's very interesting that we both wrote songs, love stories, in the dollar store. So this is from, um, this might be Mandy's perspective. Oh, good. We'll see. She's not, maybe not, anyway, it doesn't matter. Not as articulate. Watching the sun fade over those hills Catching the starlight with my eyes Doing my best to get my fill Watching that same sun on the rise If you saw a dime lying on the ground Could you be bothered 
to bend on down if you picked it up kept it in your hand for a rainy day you might just be my man to watch the sun fade over those hills catch the starlight in my eyes hear me say i will i will Watch that same sun on the rise I have browsed around Visit all the aisles Know what's in the store And what makes me smile You can spend that dime On most anything I can tell you I don't want no diamond ring I wanna Watch the sun go over those hills Watch the light fade from the sky Holding your hand, oh what a thrill Watching that same sun on the rise I bet you'd never guess that I would take the time to scatter on the ground a dollar's worth of dimes but when i saw you look up and reach down with your hand i bet myself a million you'd be worth a second glance and watching the sun fade over those hills catching the starlight in my eyes hearing you say i will i will Watching that same sun on the rise. Mm. <laughs> that kind of girl makes me randy. <laughs> <laughs> right? So she's at the cash register dreaming on that while she's watching. Yeah. Oh. You pick out your stuff in the aisles and thinking like. Hmm. Hope you get some chocolate. <laughs> well, that sachet would be nice too. Right? The, idea, some... the idea of scattering dimes is like, you know, priming a trap. Right. A trap? Or a moment. Maybe, yeah. Is it a trap or is it like a hopeful gesture? An invitation. An invitation, yes. Yes. Invitation to love. (laughs) Invitation to love is one of my favorite fake soap operas. And if you know what invitation to love is, then you're you're definitely going to match with this dollar store. Well, wasn't also last night when we were going to the Publix, didn't you pick up a dime off the ground? (laughs) Did you? I did. Wow, there you go. I'm one of those people that, like, if you see money lying around, why wouldn't you pick it up? I don't understand. I have always picked up pennies. Right? And and sometimes you luck into it. I picked up a $50 bill one time. Wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's a life experience right there. You, You don't ignore that. That's just... Well, sure. Keep 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 your eyes on the ground there every once in a while. You know, don't mm-hmm. don't stumble over something you might wish you hadn't. Well, and I think I think that also speaks to um, people being really observant about like if you're not on your cell phone all the time yeah. and you're actually looking around, mm-hmm. you can find find other people's money. You can find other people's <laughs> money on the ground, and a lot of people won't even bend over, just like simply bend. And it's a dime. It's well, like that's some 10 of them. Cents. Some of them can't. <laughs> Yeah. That's true. Uh, that may be it. <laughs> anyway, um, should we hear your song? Okay. Well, I, I want to tell you, I love that. Oh, I thanks. I really do. There's a character, in, you know, and I can see her, and, and you know, she's Mandy. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's that's part of the people that, you know, the dollar store, that's that's the tribe. Right. And it's a bigger and bigger tribe as we go on and on. Yeah. And, you know, everybody becomes part of it uh, eventually. You go, I, you know, I can't pay 
$3.98 for a pack of napkins I can get for a dollar at the store. So they show up there, and it's, it's a good place to hang. And really? my hope that her, I wanted to, when I started working on the song a couple weeks ago, right after we talked, and I got the chorus first, I thought, okay, well, I want to write a song that the reason why I titled it Help Wanted is like, she's sitting there like, this is, how am I going to find a companion? Mm-hmm. Well, the best thing to do is to say, this is what I want. Mm-hmm, you know, right. these, mm-hmm. these are the characteristics that I would like, but also that there's all these stories um, that we I feel this way, especially on highways, that there's these little stories in each of these cars of the Mm -hmm. the person having their own thoughts. And like everybody, I'm self-absorbed in my own body, right? We are all that way. We're thinking that we're the center of the the action. And it becomes, it's such a great exercise to try to think of like, well, what is that person behind the counter thinking? Mm -hmm. And because there's plenty of downtime or her job may not necessarily be that, at times, intellectually interesting. And she Mm -hmm. may be thinking like, Daydreaming. What's a, yeah. what? What do you do when you're daydreaming? <laughs> Believe you me, most of them don't even. They, they don't look at you. The thing about people who work the register at grocery store and and retail stores, it is a tough job. A lot of times you got to yeah. deal with one yokel after another. You yeah. know, and, and they come in feeling awful and you know treating everybody bad. Yeah. And, and you have to. You're the face of the store, and you have to behave yourself and bite your lip half the time but uh and and they they don't always very seldom make eye contact yeah and that's the thing you know i try and do that and i try and joke a little bit how you doing today i said well i'm uh i could tell you all about that but i don't think you're getting paid for that (laughs) you're not getting paid therapist wages yeah yeah, (laughs) so i'm gonna keep it to myself i'm just gonna say fine and they look up and go oh well you could tell me if you want you know suddenly it's a human interaction as it ought to be but uh, there's eight people behind you, too, and they're all grumbly and pissed off and want you to get the fuck out of the way. But so what a ripple effect that is and that has. I've noticed that when you actually come up to a situation like that, whether you're at McDonald's or whether you're at the dollar store or whether you're at some, any other human interaction, mm-hmm. when you look somebody in the eye and say, hello. <laughs> I've had to work hard on that. When you I, just start with hello. <laughs> it's so easy not to make eye contact, and that, that's something that I've... I've, I've consciously been working on yeah trying me too. To look people in the eye just to get their attention you know after a few seconds it becomes uncomfortable but uh you want to get it and that way they know you know they're you're in contact with them there is that talking. fine line between like oh cat cat play um there's that fine line between um courteousness and trying to make a human interaction and total creepy weirdness yeah, yeah. All right, Andrew. Speaking of creepy weirdness. Speaking of creepy weirdness, <laughs> this is the perfect segue into the song by Andrew Grimm. <laughs> okay, wait. we'll be right back. On rolling, we're rolling. Okay, cool. Um, I don't have a title for this, so I'm just gonna call it "Fluorescent Light Goddess." Listen up, boys, and I'll tell you again How I fell in love at a five and ten I can't rightly remember what I went in to buy How the girl behind the counter, she caught my eye she said, hey, honey, is there something I can help you find? 
She was a stone cold goddess bathed in fluorescent light. We got hair dyes and beauty creams by the ton. I will make you look good over in aisle one. Oh, maybe some toothpaste and some crazy glue. You can find that stuff over in aisle two. I couldn't quite catch my breath, so I hid in aisle three. Took a full ten minutes before I could breathe. I heard her say, aisle four, well, that's a real no man's land. Old calendars and magazines and paper and pens If you're able, I mean, if you're still alive Oh, you might as well skip over aisle five Why don't you meet me over in six? For some Neko hearts and a discount kiss Oh, we never did get to seven, eight, nine, or ten Cause I found what I wanted wearing a bright red vest And she punched them numbers and the register rang Oh, heaven split open and a seraphim sang. Well, I was so nervous I couldn't speak. And she wrote her number on the back of my receipt. She said, Don't be late, I get off at four. Take me uptown to the dollar store Oh, well, boys, you know the rest, chapter and verse How your mama and me met at the Woolworths yeah, There you go. That's the dime store. That's the dime store. You know? yeah. And I worked at a Woolworths. Did you? In Bel Air, Maryland. I was one of the maintenance guys uh, when I was in high school. Well, yeah, see, that was the forerunner of all of this discount mm -hmm. stuff, you know. The they old, had the little glass nine. bins, you know, with the things. There was a, a notions department where your grandmother would go buy sewing supplies and things. But uh, they had, you know, it was a flat counter. It was divided up with pieces of glass, you know, glass bins where little tiny pile of tiny toy things you know and you reach your grubby little hand in there get <laughs> leave that alone i'm not getting that for you came down here for notions i'm not getting you any bubblegum and woolworths used to be able to get was it woolworths or walgreens that used to be able to get a soda at it's a woolworths counter woolworths right? had counters yeah. yeah they had one in westminster because i got a transfer over to work at the westminster woolworths did you uh-huh yeah and uh with uh, the woolworths and harford mall had a separate restaurant attached to it which was kind of a cafeteria style ish mm -hmm. 
it had a it had, it had a soda bar, soda fountain, but it also had you know regular dining booths and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah so it was a hang. Yeah, you know, you yeah. go down to kids, grandma, you know, how people go down there, it'd be a family thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't think it's an illusion that we used to live slower lives. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did. We lived cheaper lives too. Cheaper you know, and slower so, lives. You know, yeah. and, and more there affordable were lives. People at that time who wouldn't, uh, you know, Sears was kind of like that. Sears is yeah. a, is an off brand, not an off brand, but a, hey, you can get stuff for less here and it's good quality stuff now Woolworths didn't pretend to be quality right and the dollar store stuff does not in no way does it pretend to be yeah. quality it's just cheap you know right. you yeah. need this you can get it for next to nothing and you know that's that's appealing to people who have to live according to that uh, um, you know that command I don't have the money to go spend willy-nilly someplace where it doesn't I, that's the cool thing about a dollar store is you can shop without having to worry or look at the price tag of anything. Right. Yeah. Because it's all a dollar. Right. You know, it's not like, well, can I afford this? Is this way? If you in there, you figure, well, I can afford a dollar. So yeah. all I have to do is pick out whether I think is worth a dollar. Right. And so it's it's a whole mindset. And then it expands into, there's other parts of it. There's discount tool places, you know, mm-hmm. uh, big lots is kind of like this. And there's these massive retail operations that are, built on that approach is that it won't cost you as much here so come on in and then and a whole subset of uh our culture has developed around it yeah i definitely. find it fascinating uh one more thing i did write and this is one of the blogs uh, i wrote um that's included in the moonlight book it was one of my weekly essays and it was about the war between the three major dollar store players which is dollar general which is the big boy and they go mainly for, they have standalone stores out in rural areas. Mm-hmm. You will see a building with nothing but a Dollar General in it, and it's out in a cornfield somewhere. And th- that's their deal is small towns. There's Family Dollar, which is more of an in-town kind of thing for poorer neighborhoods. And then there is Dollar Tree, which aimed itself, curiously enough, at suburbs. At suburbs, yeah. Shopping centers. Suburbs. So they all, you know, and, and Dollar Tree was struggling and said, somebody save us, you know, we're, we're going under. We're not making it. And so it was between Dollar General and Family Dollar to decide who to buy, which one of those. Was, they got in a big squabble because whoever bought it would take the number one position, you know, to soak up. Yeah. It's like media groups or, or And something. it's so fascinating just even listening to you describe that. I can visualize the times that I've been to those stores and the different environments, the different mm-hmm. physical environments of, you know, Dollar well, Tree, targeted, Dollar General. Yeah, but their dollar. inventory and their approach, they targeted a specific demographic. Yeah. And there's you know, poor people uh, in town and poor people out in the country, and then there's poor people out in the suburbs. Yeah. And they all aimed themselves at, at different groups. Yeah. I think it's fascinating. Um, your translucent... What is the line? The fluorescent, uh, the stone cold mm-hmm. goddess bathed in fluorescent yeah, light. Yeah, so good. Yeah. There were so many good lines in there <laughs> uh-huh. that I really. Thank you. Um, the one about the kiss. Um, um, uh, why don't you meet me in aisle five? Or, Wasn't it aisle five? Well, before that, it's uh, if you're able, and I mean if you're alive, but as well uh, skip past skip aisle five. Yeah. Why don't you meet me over in six mm-hmm. for some Neko hearts and a discount kiss? Ooh, the Ec- discount kiss. Was I it love nickel it. heart? Uh, Neko, ne- like Neko wafers. Oh, okay. The so little, that's a brand I'm not familiar yeah, with. Yeah. type of cookie. Yeah. Right? yeah. It, it, they're, well, they're really cheap kind of like cardboardy oh, type okay. of, 
um, candies yeah. and, and uh, Neko hearts are the ones that, that have the little hearts that say like be mine or get lost oh yeah, yeah the ones you buy mm-hmm. on Valentine's Day yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah oh cool no I love the aisles numerating the aisles right? that was, yeah. that was cool what thing. a great topic to have like the I I didn't approach it the same way that you guys did but I love listening to both of your songs because there were these descriptions of place in there so distinctly and yours was the character wandering around the store Keith was the character wandering around the store feeling anxious and wanting to to talk to the object of his affection and then Andrews is um the narrator is describing it in you know in the aisles because that's exactly what the person at the front would say like oh you can find that in aisle four right. oh and, mm. and that person knows exactly where everything is in the store it's right. You, you guys did a lot of showing and not telling, which is perfect. Good job. Yeah, well, wonderful. And, you know, there's, uh, I've, you, you were all heart. And, and you yeah. know, I love that. You know, that's, it's, it's a woman's voice. And, I mean, we're in there, hey, I'm going to get me some, you know, colored pencils and a girlfriend at the same time. <laughs> and she's going, oh, Mr. Lasher, wish you pay attention to me. <laughs> Is it going to want to hold hands and have that be exciting? Oh, yeah. I don't care if it's at the dime store or the dollar store. Well, I guess we need to probably wrap yeah, up we because we've got to hit the road. Oh, no. It's um, been such a wonderful time to be with you, Keith, but also just to have these conversations because it's it speaks to the longevity of friendship. And it's hard to keep friends for long periods of time. You have to stay in touch. You have to be in communication. And even though we don't talk every day, to know that you are blinking like a satellite out here in Birmingham and continuing to blink is reassuring and comforting to me. Um and I'm, I'm personally very grateful for the fostering attitude, the fostering um, environment that you provided for me over the years as a performer and that it, it developed into friendship because that doesn't happen with every venue um, that I've been through. Um, you always have responded to me and in such a warm and kind and caring and loving way and I'm very grateful for it. I'm so pleased that you are part of this project Well, you guys are some of my favorite people and it's it's what I cherish most about what I chose to do and what I was uh, allowed to do and, and given the opportunity. So, I mean, this this is my reward, uh, you know, above anything else that came out of it is I've got lifelong friends from far away who you know blow into town every once in a while and we just blabber like children and <laughs> catch up you know oh and it's great and so so i'm i'm so pleased to see you get here and so pleased when you are and i cry inside when you go mm, i know no we do too very much so well we'll be back yes yeah. of course mm-hmm. that's the pro- that's the promise and i've even come up there and bothered you on occasion too. I know. so you know that's that's a possibility I love it when you threaten that. It's wonderful. And then fulfill it. I might I'm, ride that bus. <laughs> or a borrowed bicycle all the way to Baltimore. And I want people to um, who are listening to this to go to Amazon. And if you search for Moonlight on the Mountain, you can find Keith's work. It's a Kindle book. It's an e-book. And it's an incredible diary. It would be a great daily reader or for any music fan um, interested in learning about people that they may not have heard of that are still rambling around like me and Andrew. Um, and just... You can support Keith's past endeavor and his current endeavors of, of preserving that that wonderful music history. I'm going to suggest that you put a link to yep. it's it's available primarily. I mean, it's, you can get it through Amazon and other uh, ebook sources, and it's all on, on all those platforms. Where's the most beneficial for you? For me, is okay. a place that publishes called Book Baby. It's the same as CD Baby. Okay, it's those people, but it's a specific link. Will take you to the purchase. 
and I get the most pennies out of every okay, dollar. Okay, so ignore what that. I just said. Don't go to Amazon. No, go to bookbaby.com. Go to bookbaby. And right. the name of it is Moonlight colon music on a mountain okay by keith harrelson and if you'll just provide a yep you know, we will a link. provide a link and for it, it has a facebook page you know you can order it off of there too and so uh i'd love for people to go check that out and and again it's not like reading a novel but it's like having a you know a stack of magazines uh over seven years that you, <laughs> you just pick up one and flip through it and see what page you land yeah. on and start reading and that's that's the way you swim around. And is it bookbaby.net or bookbaby.com? I, I can't remember. I'll look it up and I'll post uh, yeah, it. Yeah, it's, and it's all you know, it's a, it's a long thing, so it has to be posted. I carry pieces of paper in my pocket, which I hand to people. You know, I say, go home, punch in every character, and it'll take you to the site. Yeah. But I can't just you know give it to you shorthand because I don't know it. We'll post it. All right, yeah. let's do that. Yeah. And, and I appreciate anybody who considers you know grabbing one. Yeah. No, it's a way to support. A, mm-hmm. a fellow artist. Mm-hmm. And all the artists that, you know, were part of the experience. Yeah. So. Thank you, Keith. Oh, thank, thank you. you. We'll see you on down the road. I love you all. I love you too.